Hi everyone, this is the Hearsay Podcast. My name is Saya. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 42. I had a lovely chat with Jess, who some of you may know as the amazing singer-songwriter Montaigne. Uh, When I was in Sydney recently, she has released her single Ready uh, in June and her forthcoming album Complex is out in August this year, which is super exciting. It was great getting to chat to Jess and she was super open and lovely and we got through a lot of feelings in this one. So prepare yourself. Um, Montaigne's strange show story was illustrated by Alice Glascott. Uh, you can see more of her incredible artwork on Instagram at aluna.inc, which is A-L-U-N-A dot ink. And sorry, that's I-N-K. And uh, she is just fantastic. So go check out some of her work. Remember, you can see all of these drawings on Instagram at Hearsay Podcast or on the Hearsay Facebook page. Rate and leave me a comment on iTunes if you want to. It helps people be able to find the podcast, which is nice. Here we go, hearsay episode number 42, Montaigne. I feel like you've just uh, you've just got here and we've talked about like really heavy subjects for the last yeah it did <laughs> get minutes. really deep really quickly but I'm into that that's, me too that's where I come from yeah and so um, now I feel like we have to start again yeah uh, but we've already gone so deep yeah. where to from here I mean um, my living is. That I wake up in the morning and I have like a very structured routine. I get up, I wash my face, I brush my teeth, I eat breakfast, I go to my local cafe and I write in my journal for like an hour-ish laptop. Um, And then I go home and I meditate for 20 minutes and then I practice languages for 30 minutes. And then I do the rest of my day and then I like I warm up throughout the day or I do piano scales or whatever. Like I'll do music practice. Wow. But that's like my, that's like very regimented. I'm very, yeah, I I was raised an athlete. So it's kind of just in me. Um, And I love, I just like optimizing processes. So what what happens if you miss one of those things? Oh, I'm not. See, this is, I think like two years ago, I would have been like, you fucking idiot. Like you're no good at, no, I'm just like. Just try not to miss more than one day, but like, yeah. because sometimes there's, you can't Shit help happens. it, like tour, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. like sometimes you're waking up at any, any time, like you don't know when you're going to wake up at, like I wake up at 8am every morning when I'm at home, but when you're on tour, you might have a flight at like 10 or your show might've finished at 2am or blah, blah, like, yeah. you know, so you don't get to choose, but I do try at some point to slot at least those first morning activities wow. into the whole day. But so like. I don't do nine to five. I just get to read books and listen to podcasts and watch movies and that's my work. And reflect on your development yeah, and change. E- exactly. Like reflect like great. really sort of like try to follow <laughs> it's a, it's like it's like I am watching the movie of my life in real time, like <laughs> and doing the commentary on it and, and and the analysis and all of that. Like I'm very vividly aware of every moment that passes because I have so much time to think yeah. about it and it's kind of my job. Are you then very self-critical as well? Um, 
no. I've gotten very good at positive self-talk. Um, and also, um, there's definitely things. There are things that I can't help some negativity about. Like body image stuff mm. is probably that. But even then, I've gotten way way better. Just because, like, again, I've read a lot of sort of psych, like popular psych books on on that kind of stuff. And um, but and I also go to therapy like regularly once a month now. It was twice a uh, twice a month before and. Um, like the meditation and all that yeah, everything that sort of helped help. but yeah I also know like I kind of know the origins of all those things now and I think understanding on like being aware of the game that you're playing mm. is very helpful to playing it like yes. actually knowing that knowing there is the some, rules yeah exactly yeah. or something so I think no like I'm I have I have a great amount of self-belief that's um, great yeah I think it is kind of um rare not just i guess in australia because to me it was always like that tall poppy thing and australia's just finding it difficult to own their shit like just be proud of it without feeling like someone's going to judge you for being proud of it but also i think it's kind of like an instagram thing now like it's just a social media thing amongst young people well it is that perfectionism this conversation has been had a hundred million times over but like um yeah just God, I would hate to be a high schooler going through high school with Instagram I know. now. You know, I just I, I think never... of that all the time. Yeah, because I got bullied in high school, and I think, man, if there was also like internet bullying mm-hmm. when I was in high school, I would yeah. have just suffered so much more. Yeah, absolutely. And I also I feel that with my stuff too. Like I try to get off it. I know I find myself um, falling into this trap of thinking that it's actually socially nourishing. So instead of actually like talking to my friends who I've probably got a bunch of texts I need to reply to. Like I will just look at a thing and see what's happening very quickly too. I don't like scroll through ever. Yeah. Like I just look very quickly through all the things. Yeah, and then, me too. Yeah, it's very weird. So I was saying to a friend the other day, sometimes I'll open Instagram and I'll do. I'll be like, oh, this is shit. I feel bad about myself. Yeah. Close it, put my phone down, do something for, you know, have a drink of water open Instagram again. Like yeah. It's just like such a habitual thing. Yeah. The way that I sometimes trick myself into not doing that is to just move the app around to different parts yeah, of my phone. That is a good one. And then it's like a circuit breaker. So you like, you can't do the same action over and totally. over. I delete and re-download yeah. it pretty often. It's so weird. Yeah, it is very weird. But can we talk about, so with your Instagram in particular, mm. I feel like you um, are very honest in your Instagram and your your output to you know people that follow you you use almost like a diary (laughs) which I love because it's so rare that people show all sides of themselves it's really inspiring I think that whole Instagram culture and like that um model for perfection that we've sort of accidentally created for the world I think the antidote to it is actually being real as well you know and I'd love that from like more of my favorite musicians as well and I think a bunch of them do do it like you know Amanda Palmer yeah she's so amazing I love her but um I think for me though I'm bad at not being honest about myself with people yeah like you're good at being vulnerable yeah and like it's almost like I can't not if it makes me feel very weird and I know it comes from as well like my family had my mom didn't like us sharing things too much yeah um 
which I understand. Like I understand where she's coming from, but my reaction to that was to go, go the, the other way, yeah, exact opposite direction. Yeah. Um, That's understandable. Yeah, and I suppose it's hard because I'm like you. I feel pretty like an open book about most things. Yeah. Um, and I and it's hard for me then to understand people that are private and that that don't do yeah. that. Yeah, no, me too. You know, logically, I understand that that's a thing and it's important to them, and totally. and that's a protective mechanism for them. Yeah, yeah. It's weird because yeah, just the difference in people. It is very fascinating. I know. I think I actually understand it a bit more now. Mm. I, I don't. I wouldn't say there. At least in terms of boundaries i think for those people they need lots of boundaries um i started off without any (laughs) you see and that was bad for me now i've actually gotten to a place where i'm like oh i can i can protect myself and not feel like i'm letting people down or something which you inevitably will because not everyone's interests align that way but now i'm less scared of that yeah um which is you know that was probably, you know, in terms of insecurities and, and self-criticism um, and all that stuff, like two two years ago, like I was in a terrible place and I was also burnt out. So that wasn't helping. Yeah. Um, but one of my big problems was like just people pleasing. Like yeah. just every I just didn't know how to, um, especially in like intimate relationships, mm-hmm. I felt like, Oh, in order to be a good partner, you just have to know what they like and want and are interested in all the time and be switched on to that. And, like, if they don't ask about you, then you don't share about you and, like, you know, whatever. Like, I just – I felt like it was just, like, I look after you <laughs> and then hopefully you exchange the the uh, behaviour, but usually they did not. And that was something about my where I was at too, I think. But, That's um, like a huge thing to learn when you're a young person. Mm. I feel like there's so many people still grappling with yeah. that at you know my age or older totally so that's amazing that you've come to that point so quickly in your life yeah <laughs> I mean it was a lot of um so my my first album was released 2016 end of that year like one and I it was super it was, was really well received and everything did, was really good and the year after that um I was sort of just doing a lot of shows starting to work on new music sort of um not at the f- first not in the first six months so a little bit just like some songwriting camps and stuff but like by March I was starting to fade a little bit like and the problem is I'm also a chronic overdoer so which I've also learned to I guess hold back but I was trying to like get into ultra running whilst also doing shows and traveling and playing in three different soccer teams and an Jesus AFL Christ. team What's and ultra walking. running uh it's distances any longer than 50 kilometers Ugh. I didn't I didn't get to that I didn't <laughs> I didn't that. get that far the first I ran was 21.67 kilometers That's crazy as um, well yeah but so I was running heaps and also I'm I'm um vegan yeah. and you need to eat heaps of food for that amount of output and I just probably was not cutting it throw throwing in like body image issues with that and me probably like a little bit deliberately like holding back mm-hmm. um I just like f- I went to LA for the first time in May or June that year to work on music with Tony Beacon who mm. I've done heaps of stuff with and some other people that I've now met there and I came back and I just crashed like I couldn't get out of my bed and I couldn't and everything was bad um and I was suddenly really anxious when I've never been an anxious person and um couldn't connect with people and 
just so, so many issues and just couldn't exercise either like overnight just like lost it um and then I think this was a mistake and I would have been much better if I had gone back to exercise earlier but I just stopped exercising for like six or seven months mm. and um and so I was just out for like six or seven months and I cancelled everything that I had to do or like any obligations I had except for writing music like I went back to LA yeah a couple more times and whatever but like as that big collapse happened, like the first few months were hell and I felt really isolated and it was really hard. And then all this stuff just sort of started to change and it resulted in my like sort of slow convalescence, which peaked in like the most beautiful way. So like I was living in a shitty terrace uh, in Surrey Hills. It was like heaps of mold, like hole in the bathroom, <laughs> like just nothing. It was just about rat. We had a rat roaming around <laughs> that no one wanted to deal with. So we just let it live there. And um, I was like, okay, maybe I, I didn't know why I was so ill. Like I just, I had no idea I was going to doctors all the time, but no one could figure it out. And, um, and then I was like, okay, maybe if I move out and the most, like this, my move was serendipitous. Like I... Uh, I, I I had the thought like if I could move out to a place that's as cheap and as and better than this place then I will yeah um and then it happened and it happened like a friend just sent like started a group chat on Messenger and was just like anyone looking for a room to live in like we have one it's beautiful heaps of plants heaps of sunlight big kitchen big backyard blah, blah. and I was like oh my god yes and like literally within two weeks I was moved out you and I went to that it. place yeah I manifested <laughs> it right. And then, and then I went to LA for the second time. I hated it again because I was super anxious and whenever that place, it's not a good place to be anxious in. Um, and, um, still didn't have many friends, whatever, but like, it was a, you know, I was like working it out and, uh, and made a song that I now am very proud of and will be on my record and made a beautiful connection with Dave Sirtek, who's a wonderful producer and just like kind of indie rock royalty. Mm. Um, and, and I wonder, no, I think he'll probably fucking hate me for using the word indie rock in regards <laughs> to how I take it back. Sorry, Dave. Um, he's an amazing creator and creative yeah. um, and kind of like a big brother mentor kind of figure oh. now. Um, but and I came back home and I got really close to this person and became like one of my best friends and she helped me so much like to just come out of my shell a little bit and just be like chill with myself and support me when I didn't have the support I needed from other people in my life and um, was always there and I just laughed so much with her. And then the housemate that moved into the house like a month after I moved in had similar um, – like personal issues to me that she was kind of a few steps along the road ahead okay. of me in. Yeah. And so she kind of helped me through it. So you were inspired by this kind of, well, I think she kind of, um, you know, you know, when people are like trying to like open an olive jar and like no one can do it, but like yeah. everyone's kind of, you know, yeah, everyone's helping a little, a little bit. So that was kind of what her <laughs> impact was. It was kind of like, I wasn't quite there. I wasn't ready to hear what she was saying to me, but I'm glad she did. So I was slowly starting to get better and I was feeling more energized and stuff. And then I um, started exercising again. And then I went to LA in yeah. June last year and finished my record, like May, June. I was there for a month and a half. And I just like met this person who 
changed my whole life. Wow. Yeah. And I like it was it felt like all these things kind of were the ramp up the mountain and then this person was kind of the top of the mountain. And then after I met them, it was like just like rolling down the hill really oh, easily and it like just got to the lovely. other side my health improved like the it, the bigger person issue I just could get there suddenly like I was just like I'm I'm ready to like leave things in the past and move on and be more empathetic and compassionate and this person was the first person who reciprocated a thing who also just fully liked me for exactly what I was just like my loquacity as well because I do I can go on and and I'm not necessarily good at telling stories either but he was there for that and like I was so like he was so amazing to me and an artist too you know and like um so it was like this and I, I fell in love very quickly and he wasn't quite there um but he was very meaningful to me and I think just like almost the symbol of him and this person who like just accepted me yeah and what that represented in your overall just made me transform in the best possible way when um you said before that you'd been practicing language Mm. what what languages are you doing um well I speak French I studied it all the way through high school I speak mm, I I get like my parents are um Spanish speakers so I can understand some they didn't speak it to us they spoke it to hide things from us like to each other but I heard it growing up, so now I've sort of been uh, teaching myself, and I feel like I've Amazing. got like the the um, fundamentals of like the language. So now it's just vocab. And I, if someone were like to have, if I, I if someone tried to have a conversation with me, I could. The only thing I can't get is the speed. Yeah, yeah. Like I could, you could definitely be it. like, you know, you puedo cocinar like la, la, I don't know pasta, whatever. <laughs> but like. <laughs> Um, I don't know what that no, means. Oh, I I can cook pasta. <laughs> okay. <laughs> my only my only Spanish. You know how you learn like one random phrase in each language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My Spanish one is "Yo soy un disco comprado," which I think disco means com- "I am a broken record." Ah, uh, super useful. That is very good. <laughs> um, but now I'm practicing Portuguese and Italian. Oh, so, cool. Which I love. I love Portuguese a lot. I listen to a lot of Brazilian yeah. music, and I just. I adore it. And yeah. So when when I um I've only written two albums, but I try and put it's my tradition is to put one German song on each cool. record. Do you speak German? Yeah. Great. Do you ever think you could write a song in French or another yeah, language? Yeah, I have. You I have? have. Yeah. Um Do you think you'll do more of that? Yeah, I'd like to. I'd definitely like to put out a record with a bunch of different um songs of different languages yeah, one day like that'd be amazing yeah that's definitely on my list what's your process like at the moment are you you've just finished a album yeah and you're waiting for it to come out yes that endless wait <laughs> yeah i'm you... really getting tired of yeah. it <laughs> <laughs> i'm really getting tired of waiting to be honest um it's just uh so i got a single coming out soon but it's yeah. um still in the process of being mixed and, and additional production, the person we got, got on it is extremely good at what they do, but mm-hmm. very busy because of that. Sure, sure. So the turnaround isn't quick, yeah. which is fine. I understand and I want them to do good work. But I'm also so, Just impatient. so antsy. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be fine. Did you work Once on that with Tony? This song isn't. This song I wrote actually very late last year for another yeah. artist at a song oh, okay, cool. with her. Um, yeah. 
and then my manager was like, are you sure you don't want that song? And I was like, oh, maybe. And then I asked her and she was like, yeah, have it. I was like, okay, cool. And then and that's sort of yeah, how it's cool. happened. But Tony, uh, I'm hoping the next single will be a Tony one. He's done, so this record's got like seven or eight different producers oh, on great. it. Oh, great. But Tony's done sort of like four or five songs. Yeah. He's so. worked with um, some other friends of mine who have said that he's like, to- obviously total genius yeah. and incredibly involved in every single part yeah. of the process. I really adore Tony. I even feel teary thinking about him right now. But Do um, you feel like that yeah. – is that the way you like to work, that you have someone who is like as invested as you are in everything? Yeah, he's he's very invested, which I really appreciate, and he he's very um, passionate uh, about um, – just the whole shebang, I yeah. guess. Um, but he is—he can be very headstrong. Yeah. So when I'm wanting to assert my f- opinion or my yeah. f- fingerprint, sometimes he's like, just like wait, or he—he he, it takes him some time to not resist it. Sure. But he always comes around. Like yeah. he does listen to me. And the thing is, we've been doing this thing together for like, s- what's now? 2019, 2014, five, like five years. Yeah. You know. And I've known oh, him for that awesome. long and I'm yeah. really close to him. Like, yeah, really. and you've obviously grown a lot as an artist and as a human being. Yeah, then, exactly. So. And he's seen me through all of that. Yeah. He's heard my entire heart, you yeah. know, like, um, so. Well, that's so, lovely that yeah. you're still working together. Yeah, yeah. Do you, I was wondering, yeah, how um, how you go writing with other producers after writing with someone who is, you know, who is like so intense. Um. I'm fine. I, d- I definitely have a preference for the more intense vibe or yeah. someone who – not even more intense but just someone who works quickly and well and has good in- ideas and isn't stuck in an aesthetic. Like that's why I love and keep going back to Tony is because everything we do is different every single time, you know. Like he doesn't feel like it has to be like a pop hit or it has to sound this way or that way. Like we just make stuff. Yeah. Um, What's the process like when you work together? Do you Do you come to him with like – a piano part or like a vocal melody or uh it changes so if we're writing together often we'll start with something from scratch he might like fiddle around for like an hour just on sounds or a beat mm. or whatever and then i'll come in and i'll either be like yeah sounds good and start writing on it or like destroy him <laughs> and be like it's no not this and then that doesn't usually happen yeah, yeah. and then um but sometimes like i'll be like i have this one verse or this one melody or whatever he's doing works with something I've written but haven't put music to or, um, yeah, I mean, like, I have a song called Clip My Wings and that just started with him playing the guitar and that ensued. Um, (laughs) And then Because I Love You was another instance where, like, I was in the room next to him in in Sydney, Alexandria, 301, and um, he... Was messing with things for a while and then like he had a piano bit and I was like, what if it sounded like this instead? And then I just like played the line, which is the... And then he's like, yeah, cool. And then that was just like... And then we went in and we just kept going, you know. Um, So it just depends. It's any anyway. It's a very fluid process. But with other producers, for me, it's... um, I easily work with anyone else as long as they're good and fast and willing to go down the rabbit hole with me yeah yeah <laughs> um i do i've had some sessions with people where yeah either they were just working way too slow for me because mm. i write very quickly mm-hmm. um or 
um, like I, w- I would try to explain an idea like stacked harmonies, for example, that I had and they just couldn't get on. Like just, just, just set, just be an engineer for a second. Yeah. <laughs> just like set up a few tracks and I'll just do it. Don't worry. Like, trust me. And like, you know, it works out, but it's nice to know. It's nice to work with people who just are on the same level. Totally. You know? And Tony, yeah. Tony's one of those people. And then how do you go about getting a live show together? So I presume that you do some stuff to backing and then you also like play yeah. with people. Um, I, so I, since basically the beginning, I've had three band members. Yeah. So hopefully be adding one later this year. Um, so one person's on uh, keyboard and like a little synth MIDI controller yeah. thing. One uh, person's drums and SPD and another person's bass and Ableton stuff yeah. and pads and stuff. So everyone's kind of like triggering some yeah, recording, some the, sample. We try to keep track to a minimum. Like most things will be um, mapped to a button or something. Yeah. But uh, the thing is with the music, although this will change with this next album because the next album is so unplayable with three people <laughs> like it's just me and tony especially for the songs we did we were like cool let's add some flute let's add some yeah, mellotron yeah. let's add some tabla like <laughs> like we just we just did everything um yeah. yeah that's gonna be harder so i don't actually know how that's gonna yeah. go because they're definitely like oh all on backing yeah yeah no no, no absolutely which i kind of hate like i don't i know that's kind of the only option you have when you don't have the money, but like, I also hate it. Like I just, well, I think there's different ways of doing it. You know, with backing track, you can still sound acoustically interesting by adding things to it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you just need someone who's going to run it for you, I guess, too, totally. which is another member. Yeah. But yeah, I think there's interesting ways of doing it where you can still interact with the track live. Totally. It's a complicated conversation yeah. I've had with many people. Yeah, it's also risky. Like it is risky. As <laughs> we hell. had tech problems all the way up to the beginning of my tour. Thankfully, they sorted them out literally like the night before yeah. that we did our show. Oh God, but otherwise, so like yeah, it was just like computers. Like, yeah, what if they just don't work? I know. You know, it's like yeah. well, with backing, you always need like two computers running yeah, at the same exactly. time. Exactly. Hey? Yeah. So, yeah tricky yes do you think about how you're going to play songs live when you're recording them or when you're writing them um no i don't i which is now thinking about it is it feels weird for me because it's such an important part of what i do but i'm usually just totally inside the world of the song and the sentiment when i'm writing it um yeah, no, which is why problem. my songs are so hard to play because <laughs> I actually don't have any future thought yeah. about what will actually be practical and practicable. But um, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Does it make you sometimes just want to like write a piano album? Just you and a piano? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, yeah, I think, well, not even, not necessarily for that reason. I've actually been thinking about this lately and I have a feeling because all my songs, especially this next album, like quite big, like mm. lots of layers, sort of anthemic vibe sort of ish thing or like, you know, just like the Arcade Fire, like big sort mm. of um, indie rock sound. Yeah. And I think part of that's just been like um, a little bit of fear of the tenderness of yeah. my expression. Mm-hmm. Like the things that I relate are very personal and lots of insecurities and lots of darkness and so it's kind of there's sort of a mask masking layer with all the instrumentation but now that I feel comfortable with like 
all of my things. I'm actually really ready for that piano that's album. That's great. On a piano album, but Can't like an wait. album that's a bit more sparse <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and minimalistic. Maybe. I don't know. I, I also mean, just love the you've got your whole stuff. life to do that. Oh, absolutely. Really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know. You're only going to be young enough to like jump around the stage and do knee slides for No, to- absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Which, by the way, is really – my knees are not thanking me for those. <laughs> I love that though. I love that – Um. You know, because your songs are, have so much energy in them and I love that that energy translates to your live shows. And it's so cool seeing someone leap around the stage mm. and, you know, interact with with everyone. I like it's, it. It makes it look like you're having a really fun time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it must be exhausting. It is. After well, a big tour. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, it was all exhausting after these two yeah. shows. <laughs> uh, but part of that is just that I'm not that fit right now. Like yeah. when I was really doing that, in 2017 like I was running so much that my VO2 max was crazy like it couldn't have gotten higher so I had an incredible like lung capacity and um breath capacity I'm realizing I think I actually either have to get crazy fit or um just peel back the amount I move but because my songs require such intense it, they're very demanding um, yeah. on the voice and on your technique that like if you aren't fit and aren't able to like keep them doing the thing that they need to do in order to make the note happen safely, I wake up like very <laughs> – with my voice feeling very um, – I get a lot of phlegm. <laughs> Gross. Yeah. Um, I <laughs> – when I was listening to Glorious Hutch, which, which is just like – like turbo production on that record but also turbo vocal control like voice control um I was listening to it almost feeling exhausted like listening to your technique because you go up into your head voice and then down into your chest several times in in like 10 seconds yeah I still find that very hard (laughs) yeah I was thinking man those live shows must be so hard you know the technique of of going high and going low and bellowing the way that you bellow Mm. must be pretty intense yeah it's yeah it I'm finding interesting as well my voice has changed a lot since Mm. then too and the way that my voice has shifted almost like makes it harder. Like I've gotten better at singing and, and my range has gotten higher, but those like my, my passaggio is sitting in a different place now. Oh, so um, yeah, it's weird. Like with glorious heights, we're saying the business, waiting, waiting to be all right. Like that stuff Amazing. is like, it's, it's still, struggle I have to practice every single day in order to like make sure it's locked in and I think I'm really gonna have to like muscle memory has to do a lot of work yeah yeah um but yeah it's dumb the thing is I don't think about that stuff when I write this I'm not like oh this will this This is gonna this is or even this is hard now like I don't think about that I'm like if I can do it even just a little bit I will because that's just what I want to do which again like it's fun because it means the song ends up cool but (laughs) that it just ends up fucking hard to sing i actually totally my voice totally crapped out after recording that record because i just i also wasn't singing with proper technique and i was so stressed that i just like totally screwed my voice i had to go to voice uh to speech therapy and to sing uh coach and stuff afterwards now it's all in a really good place but i definitely like at the time um I was slamming it. <laughs> yeah, what's well, so easy to hurt yourself when you're not doing it yeah. the way that you're meant to? I've never learned how to do it properly, but I also don't sing like you. <laughs> <laughs> I um I was also listening to the album 
um, I, I've noticed some production tricks that I was wondering if you ever had any input in these kinds of things. Like um, I noticed in the verses there's a lot of breath and it makes it sound really intimate and then the mm. choruses, all the breaths have been edited out. Yeah, right. Do you ever think about that or do you notice things like that when um, someone's producing your songs? I, I do think about and notice usually like, you know, Tony did all the songs. Yeah. Usually Tony like knows what's good. So I just let him go for it. Yeah. Um, but I guess with the breaths, I'm not so meticulous about that stuff. I will be meticulous about, um, I mean, I'm very meticulous about, I think vocal performance. Yeah. Just like being, sometimes I'll read like this was one song that was supposed to be the next single, but then got supplanted by this other one. That I did like three different takes within like eight months on, um, <laughs> and like in different cities, like one in Los Angeles, one in Sydney. Like it was just all over the place because I just wasn't happy with it. And it's a very weird song. Like it just, even now I'm not sure if I'm happy with what we ended up getting, but um, but that stuff is what I fuss over a lot. And with production, I do I have input though. I'm not like I I'm like a director. Like I give guidance. Like yeah. if Tony does a thing and he's about to leave that thing, I'm like, but I want the thing. Yeah. I'll be like, no, no, hey, like man. you stay. Like yeah. why are you stop <laughs> develop that? Like come on. And or like I'll be like, what if it went like this instead? Yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Like I'll just give that. Sort of, yeah, but yeah. With that, it's but you don't yeah. go like in the verses. I'd like my breaths kept in, please, and in the choruses, <laughs> cut them out. No. <laughs> Uh, no, 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 I don't. I can't remember a time where I've made specific note of that. But maybe there has been a time where I've been like, no, like that needs to stay needs there. Needs to or sound more intimate or something. Yeah. You've said in interviews before that you want to be good at everything. <laughs> do you sometimes make yourself do something just because you know it's going to be hard and you won't like it? I used to do that a lot. I don't. Yeah. So much anymore. Now I'm kind of like, okay, here are the things I. The here are like the five things I care about and I'm just going to do them a lot. Yeah. But I definitely used to be the kind of person, well, <laughs> relationships basically. Sure. Like there was stuff in my first relationship that I did, especially sexually, that like I don't I would don't want to do and I don't like and I don't okay. want to do. And I was like, but I want to be good at being this part of this relationship, sure. which was I think – I mean, the whole wanting to be good at everything comes from, like, this complex about not feeling good enough, right? Uh, like, yeah. Like, good enough we at all have life. It. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm just – I'm a little less like that now. Yeah. Now I'm kind of like – again, boundaries. <laughs> yeah. Um, I find myself doing that a lot. I find myself going, well, that sounds terrifying. I should totally do that to yeah. see if I can do it. Yeah. Um, and – it's funny, like I, I seem to get myself into that situation quite often where someone will ask me to do like, can you give a three-hour lecture on programming synthesizers? I'm like, <laughs> yes, I'll do that yes. and see if I can do it. Yeah. And quite often just before you're doing one of those things, you're like, I've really made a bad call here. Yeah, well, it also, <laughs> con- it. It also conflates <laughs> with um, like that feeling like you need to accomplish the thing just to – prove that you can get past the difficult thing exactly it's also like can be a really positive thing like that's why and it's hard to you just gotta pick the things though like that's what i've kind of learned i think where it's like especially with me because i get a lot of things sent to me where people like do you want to do this and a lot of the things i could just you know blindly say yes to and just be like yes sure Mm. you know um uh and i think i used to do that a little bit um but 
I think I've now somehow got this like arbitrary intuitive system in my brain that tells me like what I know I will not like will be challenging enough for me to feel like I'm growing as a person but like not be a distraction from my actual purpose yeah. or something you know well, that's really lovely yeah. Especially if you've had a lot of success in, in what you're doing and you want to keep progressing. Well, I also just feel like the, the being good at everything thing as well is like, like for me now, I'm like, but I don't love everything. Like I love these things. Yes. And these are the things I want yeah. to be good at. And like if I try other things, I'm just taking away time from these sure. things that I really love that make me happy yeah. and fill me with like meaning and light. Definitely. You know, um, I think, but that is a very hard it takes you know it does take quite a lot of yeah internal change like it's yeah it's hard i did a speech at the one of the first kids like um school climate strikes oh yeah cool that that to me was like a good challenge yes. like that's something i was terrified of but yeah. i was like but i care about this and i yeah. think this will be a good vibe and it, you know i think when i got there finally i was like i, I can't lose here like this no. is just ten thousand everyone kids totally. <laughs> yeah, who will like yell everyone's rooting yeah, for you. anything yeah. like i say you know <laughs> as long as it's in favor of their cause yeah, but yeah. um <laughs> but like the public speaking thing you know which i, I think though think i like I've been doing quite a lot of speaking at my shows yes. and that's been fine. I noticed and I don't know when this started happening but it definitely started happening when I started playing shows by myself, like yeah. solo shows. I would really try to get people to laugh yeah. and it didn't matter what I was saying. Like I'd always, it would just always be something like ridiculous yeah. and self-deprecating most of the time <laughs> yeah, yeah. just to get a laugh. Totally. Are you t- chasing the laugh? Not anymore. I think I used to. I was. I had like one year. It was my burnout year where I was just <laughs> so into comedy, Aww. and I got. I became very close to a lot of comics, yeah. and just like, and actually ended up putting on a sort of comedy music collaborative wow. show, and like, yeah, I was very into it, and a lot of it started from a crush I had on yeah. a comic. <laughs> um, but I really, I really do love comedy, and I became really obsessed with because I don't think I've ever been. I'm not. And I don't say this to be self-deprecating. This is the reality. Like yeah. I'm not a funny – I'm not um, – I can be funny but I can't yeah. turn it on. Okay. Like I can't be like I'm going to be funny and tell jokes now. Yeah. It's like a mood and a time yeah, and yeah, a place yeah. and an energy. I think I'm me, like know? that too. Yeah. yeah. And um, But I really wanted to just be good at that because I was yeah. hanging out with all these funny people. Yeah. Who were just constantly funny. I was like how do you do I this? I can fucking turn it on. Yeah. And the answer is like, you know, accumulate enough – defense needs exactly. <laughs> to like exactly. have the comedy but um but so I, I think I definitely used to go towards that so this is the other thing I learned I listened to a, la- a podcast on laughter recently and a science of laughter and science oh, yeah. uh, laughter isn't just it doesn't arise only in the presence of humor it actually most often arises as like social glue so we laugh when we're showing solidarity with whoever we are with it's like yeah it's it's sort of the thing they said might not necessarily be the funniest thing in the world especially out of context like no one else is going to laugh but everyone in that room is kind of united at that moment they feel that's true like they're on your team and i guess it's like a nervous reaction too totally but like think about you know like fans who come up to me sometimes they'll always be between not always like some of the more nervous ones will always be between like oh my god like you know um thank you <laughs> like uh, like they'll be really nervous yeah. but the laughter will come out and yeah, the laughter yeah. is because like they do one part of it too um I think like 
lighten the intensity of their anxiety but also because in that moment they want to connect with you and they want to show you that they're on your team too yeah like it's definitely like laughter is a really cool thing and then you automatically will smile or laugh back because that's your natural reaction yeah precisely and especially like if you so this is what the podcast said it was like if you if someone you fucking hate is like in your presence like no matter what they say you're not gonna laugh yeah because you hate them sure. <laughs> like, and they, sure. they bring no good energy to yeah. you and whatever, you know. And um, I think that's kind of like what happened. Like, think, Unless they and, slip on a banana peel. Yeah, yeah no, 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 totally. And then it's, <laughs> and then it's, it's like it's like mean laughter, revenge you know. Laugh. Like it is revenge laughter. <laughs> but it's like if the fan was being fucking creepy but trying to crack jokes, I would be like. No. Yeah, exactly, yeah. you know. It's I, just kind of proof of what's yeah. happening socially. Yeah, in moment, yeah, totally. Which is very interesting because then if you're playing for an audience and they don't fucking laugh yeah. at anything you're saying, you're like, oh, these guys do not they're not on your side care about me yeah, yeah. which is like when you're like oh something's gonna I yeah gotta make something happen that's here. when you like fake a heart attack and leave yeah. the stage yeah exactly <laughs> yeah i, um, <laughs> I want to ask you my very last question which is the question i ask everyone mm. um can you please tell me your strangest show experience or just the strangest thing that's happened to you because you play music yes um this one could be long but i'll try to give the like abridged version okay so you know we've been discussing that i am an open book yes, um as am I. and i i have to say the truth about me so for example i played groove in the moo um this is an example which will tie into the larger okay. story i played groove <laughs> in the moo in 2017 and on the day of like my townsville show or something like that i felt like dog shit like oh, no. i just not not even in an existential way it was like for some reason i feel odd with myself like i can't bridge this whatever this is it wasn't even body image stuff on the day it was just like i for some reason i feel like the last thing i want to do is go up on stage and present me yeah. because right now i don't feel like this is all yeah, working yeah i can relate to that yeah and um and i felt like part of it as well was well, I think it must, the proof was in the action that I took afterwards because I had this last, like, split decision that I made where um, I had no fancy outfit at all. I just had, like, my Red Cross shirt, my jeans and my shoes. And um, and I said to my friend who was playing the festival, I was like, can you please write please like me on my face Aww. in eyeliner? And then she, and she did. And that's what I went on stage with because, like, that... I, I needed people to know that even though I was up here like doing these ones and power yeah. strutting and whatever, <laughs> I was a scared little girl. Yeah. Like I was going up there almost against my own wishes that day, you know. It takes a lot to get up there when you don't feel like it. Yeah, but it also really like performers aren't actually superheroes. I, I know Bowie probably like was just totally into himself all the time but he like even he must have had like some sort of insecurities at some point Definitely. You know? like everyone has it if he took as much coke as yeah. people say he did <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. he would have had some really low moments oh absolutely yeah. and i just think though that like a lot of especially pop stars don't reveal that to you yeah. and again it's the whole instagram thing but like i just wanted that to be a thing and so you know uh fast track like a year later i was doing my last headline tour before i was like i'm too unwell to function um and the thing is because when i fell really unwell like i did gain a bunch of weight because i like 
wasn't exercising at all yeah. whatever and I became very self-conscious about it mm. and um you know whilst also trying to battle it was like I was having meta thoughts of like I feel uncomfortable about my weight I shouldn't feel uncomfortable about my weight I know I'm I'm aware that I shouldn't feel uncomfortable about my weight, but I still can't not feel uncomfortable about mm. my weight. So I suck. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it was that kind of like yeah. loop of thought. And um, and on my on the night of my Melbourne show, I fucking left my outfit on the plane that oh, like had no. been sourced for me. Like oh, like the designer like was like, I'm lending this to you. And I just never recovered that. Shit. And she was chill, but like felt so bad and also I just had nothing to wear that night. Like, oh. I had like these high waist jeans that didn't fit me quite properly anymore and like no shirt so I went around Melbourne that night like just frantically walking like looking for a shirt to wear that yeah. suited me on stage and wasn't like crazy expensive and I ended up picking up like a crop top up from like Topshop or something like that and still wasn't like the ideal scenario but I was like I can't find anything and I'm like getting really the, the most memorable thing about that moment was like me just walking around Mel- Melbourne like knowing how hurt about myself I felt and just like looking for this thing and making this decision in my head where I was like I am feeling really self-conscious about my body I'm gonna take off all my clothes on stage wow and and so I was like, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm going to do it. That's just what I'm going to do. I texted friends being like, this is what I'm going to do. Hold me accountable. Like if I don't do it, I'm a fucking pussy and I hate myself. You know. Wow. Like, so I was just, yeah, I, I got on stage and I did my show. And like, and then when the second last song happened in the dark, which is like a very intense song about, like that song is about how I thought the relationship that I was in was perhaps like the end of it mm-hmm. was perhaps my fault. Or I felt bad that I'd hurt him. Yeah. When it was yeah. not my fault <laughs> right. um, in retrospect. But, you know, at the time I felt very much like I feel like responsible, responsible. for this person's yeah. feelings and like, you know, whatever. But, um, uh, and so like at the end of this song, there's like this breakdown moment um, where it's supposed to end, but we just keep playing the and it's just like a solo simmering thing. And I just started taking, like, I took off the crop top, I took off my jeans, I took off my shoes or whatever, and it was terrifying. It was yeah. a fucking terrifying moment, and it was like 170 Russell in Melbourne, and it's like a thousand person room. Yeah, and still very intimate space yeah yeah still a very intimate space and um but i just fucking did it and wow. then and then i sing sung the last song like till it kills me and i was jumping around and everyone was into it and like <laughs> and how did you feel what as soon as you did it did you feel liberated yeah i think i think i did like it felt like a bit cathartic and it was that thing as well where it was that it, the difficult thing, like doing the difficult thing that I knew was going to be hard and like emotionally um, uh, tense. But like I did it and then I felt proud that I had the courage awesome. to do it kind of thing. I think it's strange that I have to actually bear my bones mm. to feel like just have a single moment of cleansing you know like 
because you know I still struggled with that stuff for the remainder of time like yeah, you know like it didn't I didn't, didn't do that fix and anything. then fix it yeah, yeah yeah it was like and also like walking off stage and just your band like I didn't think my I told my band <laughs> I was gonna do that and then just like they were like whoa yeah and the, the, but you know everyone it was just kind of like great show Jess like you know like nothing no one really mentioned the elephant in the room well I feel like that actually would have meant a lot to your young fans yeah well that probably would have would have felt really powerful to them to see someone comfortable enough with their body to show it absolutely well that's, you know, that even was, if you weren't yeah that was my know. thing about it as well it was like I don't have like the conventionally attractive body like I actually don't a lot of people all of my friends would be like but Jess like you are like whatever and I'm like nah dude like if you like take these clothes <laughs> off like I'm not I'm just a straight up and down shape yeah. and like all my part like I'm also have I have like this nice chubbiness of like a Latina girl kind of thing like I don't have like I'm not like bony and svelte yeah. you know which is kind of what we look at when we're thinking yeah, Instagram and stuff you know which so is like depressing. yeah it is really depressing mm. Um, and so like for me as well, even now, like on Instagram and stuff, like I try to still, like I'll put videos of me like playing my songs, yeah. looking like I've just rolled out of bed in my pajamas because I have, yeah. <laughs> you know? And, like, That's what I was saying before. Yeah, I love yeah. the honesty and the vulnerability in that because it's so rare. Not that many people will, will sh- like let people see them first thing in the morning or without makeup or, yeah. you know, whatever, like blemishes or like, you know, yeah. it's just awesome to see someone, a powerful young lady <laughs> being a good role model for other powerful young ladies. Yeah. Well, and I think the most important point I want to like hammer home about like that whole thing is like, what's important to me is like what I'm capable of and what I, mm. not what I look like. Like, and I yeah. want to show people like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what I look like right now. It matters that I'm playing these songs and writing them and working Absolutely. really hard at writing them. Yeah. I'm going to pull myself away from the mirror and I'm going to play the piano. Like, yeah. you know, that's what I like replacement behaviors, mm. you know, and the, they're not like replacement behaviors that I like, I'm like, this is hard. It's like, no, like I like those things. If we lived in a culture that taught us that like, what we have to offer the world metaphysically is more important than what we have to offer the world physically. I think everyone would be way better off. I agree. And I think that's a beautiful, a beautiful sentiment to end the Mm -hmm. podcast on. Hey, thank you so much for making the time to come and chat to me. It was so lovely. And I really, I can't wait to, to hear what you come up with next. Thank you. 